You know success when you see it, or you think you do, the people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yields. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. This episode is brought to you by Intuit QuickBooks. Learn more at quickbooks.com forward slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. The views, information, or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent those of Intuit QuickBooks or any of its cornerstone brands or employees. This podcast does not constitute financial, legal, or other professional advice or services. No assurance is given that the info is comprehensive, accurate, or free of errors and the information presented is for general information purposes only. Intuit QuickBooks does not have any responsibility for updating or revising any information presented. Listeners should verify statements before relying on them. QuickBooks Money is a standalone Intuit offering. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. Hi, everyone. I'm Janice Torres. And I'm Austin Hankwitz, and welcome to another episode of Mind the Business Small Business Success Stories, a podcast brought to you by Ruby Studios from iHeartMedia and Intuit QuickBooks. In each episode, we chat with entrepreneurs and small business owners as they share their stories about the successes and challenges of owning and growing a business. And this episode is a very special episode. That's right. This is our own personal holiday gift to you. This is a bonus episode. (laughs) (laughs) But it's not just any bonus episode. We recorded our interview with business and leadership coach Mariella De La Mora live from the Intuit Innovation Summit. And we're really excited because at the summit, we talked to Mariella about a very unique type of entrepreneurship, and that's solopreneurship. Yes. And Austin, even though you and I now work with other people at this point in our career, we are both very familiar with solopreneurship as it's how we operated for so long. And for so many people, growth does not include employees or building a staff. For freelancers and artists and many others, it makes the most sense to remain a solopreneur. But I'm curious, Austin, when you were a solopreneur, how did you define success for your business? For me, I define success as progress, right? So rewind three years ago and Austin Hankwitz is over there plugging away, trying to write the best newsletter he could, host the best live streams possible and begin to monetize his audience in a meaningful way. And as solopreneurs, we aren't given a playbook. No one's saying, go do this, now go do this, and now go do that, right? We have to make those decisions for ourselves. So when I'm thinking to myself, okay, I just quit my job, what should I be doing now? Keeping that idea of consistent progress and one step at a time in mind was paramount for my success. But Janice, I know solopreneurship means a lot of different things for a lot of different people. What does success mean to you as a solopreneur? For me, it means doing more of what you enjoy and less of what you don't because you are on your own. So in the beginning of my journey, I was trying to throw so many different things at the wall and not everything was necessarily worth my time and effort. And especially not when you're trying to piecemeal a paycheck with a bunch of different tasks and opportunities. So I started getting really clear on what are those things that I enjoy doing? What are those things that have a higher return on investment for my time? And then what's the stuff that I can automate to maybe a software or maybe just removing it from my business processes altogether? 
together that are going to allow me to make more while not also working more. And I like to tell newbie entrepreneurs and especially the solopreneurs, if you create a rat race, that's your fault at this point because this is your business. So you have to be the one that dictates where those boundaries exist. 100%. Now, what do you say we jump into our great conversation that was recorded live from the Intuit Innovation Summit with our guest, solopreneur, Mariela De La Mora? Absolutely. And a quick note to our listeners, don't forget to keep listening after the interview as Austin and I share some major Mind the Business news with you at the end of the episode. Let's get into it. Hey everyone, I'm Austin Hankwitz. And I am Janice Torres. And this is Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast brought to you by Intuit QuickBooks and iHeartRadio. And we're coming to you live from the Innovation Summit in Northern California. Yeah. Austin, I don't know about you, but I am so excited for two reasons. First off, this is my first visit to like a tech company. And I'm just like, I get it. I totally get why y'all are doing this, okay? And honestly, from a creator's perspective, we couldn't do what we do without companies like you. We literally rely on software and the brilliant people that build it to do what we do. So thank you, first of all, for everything that you do for creators like us. And I'm excited because we're talking about things that are near and dear to our hearts, solopreneurship and defining success in a different way. Absolutely, right? And to help us dive into these topics, we are joined by Mariella De La Mora. Mariella is an EQ certified business and leadership coach helping women of color grow their businesses and their teams through proven identity specific mindset and leadership practices. Prior to her solopreneurship journey, Mariella worked as a director of marketing for 16 years, where she helped build multi-billion dollar companies and startups, helped them build their profitable brands while growing and leading award nominated marketing teams all around the world. Today, she helps entrepreneurs and working professionals become confident and empowered leaders by infusing identity-specific mindset, emotional intelligence, and business strategy. Mariella, welcome to the show. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, everyone. <laughs> so let's rewind to the early days of the business. Mm -hmm. You know, you have this great experience working for these multi-billion dollar companies and the startups. You've done this for 16 years now. Mm -hmm. Where did the idea for this business really stem from? And as you were sort of getting your reps in, were there any really big obstacles that you had to overcome that were like, wait a second, if I could do that, maybe I can actually do this for a living? Yeah. The idea for the business, it isn't like one aha moment. I don't know. I rarely see that that's the case. I think we all start with one small thing. It's kind of like you just know to plant a seed. Mm -hmm. And then you just start watering that seed and you're like, I don't really know if this is a seed for like a fruit tree or a plant. Like, I don't really know what this is, but I'm just going to start doing it. So I really just started by A, discovering that coaching was so much bigger than like executive coaching, sports coaches, you know, things like that. Like there was coaches for so many different areas of life. And I just started sharing my story and, you know, helping people with marketing because that was a transferable skill. So I was like, cool, sure. what's my most obvious transferable skill? And I talked about marketing. And then I talked about this other thing that I saw as separate, which was like how my identity was being challenged by trying to do this thing. And then I found this is like where the community came in because I had already built the community that I had so many people that just had followed me for that, that they were like, me too. And that's what brought up the curiosity around why are all of these brilliant successful, high-achieving people 
all having similar struggles that I don't necessarily see to the same degree outside of our community. It definitely self-doubt exists for everyone, but that's really what it was. It's like starting to think about sharing your story. A lot of the times will show certain things, but I really was always kind of looking at what is like an unmet need that I'm seeing happening that I'm curious about solving. You know, one thing I found with solopreneurs is like that first time that you're successful, you don't actually believe that you did that. Oh, yeah. You think it's like a fluke and you're just like, I don't have <laughs> any idea how this happened. Don't ask me. Okay? Yeah. And if someone asks you, OK, let's do it again. You're like, oh, I don't know. I don't yeah. even know what to do. OK, so how do you combat those feelings to actually like own the success that you created? It took me a while because it still happens. It does not matter how much evidence you have. You're just like, that's it. It's over. <laughs> like I ran out of stuff to say. <laughs> so I have had to, because this is my marketing brain that's like, we need data. We need data. What is the data? That now, because I've had to coach so many of my clients through like, yeah, but like I'm scared and like I'm not booking sales calls. And I'm just like, but didn't you just do this thing like last quarter? Like, yeah, but it's only because like if someone referred that person and this other person like heard about me from someone else. And I'm like, but they wouldn't work with you if you were like bad at what you do. Sure. So I've literally had to create data. So like I created something for my clients called success receipts. And it's like, if you were to go to a restaurant, it's like, what did you buy? Like, what did you do? So I'm like, what did you do? Like, what did you do for marketing? How many offers did you make? What thoughts were you having? What unhelpful thoughts were you having? Did you get coached? What did you surrender? Like, what did you stop worrying about? Because success mm. always comes with like, you let something go. You're just like, you know what? I'm so tired. I'm just going to like, let it be. And when they document it, like they've been able to go back and be like, oh, I'm literally just not making offers. <laughs> and sometimes the the answer is a lot simpler than our minds want to make it. So I really am an advocate of like, document the things that are working for you because you are going to forget and you're going to think it's over and you want to show your brain evidence. Showing your brain evidence is like a literal entrepreneurial skill because it'll say some crazy stuff to you when it's scared. <laughs> I love the idea of those success receipts. I need to check that one out for myself. Yeah. In your recollection, mm -hmm. what has felt like the big break for you in business? When were you just like, ooh, there's something happening here? Oof. Okay. <laughs> so I started my coaching business right before the pandemic. And I just remember it took so long to get my first client that I think at a certain point you think like, I don't know, this might take forever. And I think a couple months in, I feel like I found my groove, like I found my message. And then it started to come back to back. And I remember telling myself if I land three clients in two months, I'm going to quit my job. And I kind of said that because I was like, that's crazy. Like, that's probably not going to happen. And then it it did happen. And so I think that was the moment where I was like, oh, this is a thing. It can happen a lot faster than you think. And it's not linear. Absolutely. So I guess my first question, right, is we're both solopreneurs, myself and Janice here. So what does it mean to you to be a solopreneur? Like, what are the advantages and the disadvantages that come with that title? Well, first thing that came to mind was solopreneur is like, I came from corporate 16 years. I was like, oh, so you're marketing, you're like <laughs> product development, you are research and development, you're HR, you're like all the things. So I think being a solopreneur really means like being agile, learning, teaching yourself things, getting it wrong, kind of just being willing to like messily wear all of the hats mm -hmm. and know that you're just going to do the best you can because you're just learning. When you work for a company, 
you kind of have to like vet things and there's like layers, right? But when it's you, you're like, I can decide if I want to try again, if I want to do something differently. So I feel like your brain kind of clicks to become like a scientist in a way. Mm. So I feel like the disadvantage is it's all on you, but the advantage is it's also all on you (laughs) and you can just learn really quickly. And I think for me, there's a lot of advantages in the sense that like part of the reason that I worked for myself was that I'm a single parent. My daughter is six and I had climbed high enough up on the corporate ladder that I knew it was never going to be chill for me. (laughs) So I'm able to like be the PTA mom, go volunteer at school and like do those things with her. And I can decide that I want to take a month off in July to take her on trips. So it really is the freedom, but it is also like two sides of the coin of it all being on you. Yeah. I always tell people, if you want the fastest path to personal development, go start a business. Yep. (laughs) Because you're going to confront every toxic narrative that's floating through your mind in one way or another, either by yourself or with the help of a therapist. Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Therapy is like mandatory when you have a business. I feel like it should be a business expense. It should be. Honestly. (laughs) So what does success mean to you and your business? And how has that changed over time? I think now it means feeling at peace and feeling like I'm in control. I have freedom. I can make the decisions. That's also difficult sometimes, but that and also feeling like I'm making an impact and something that like really, really, really matters to me. And that's something that I didn't have before. So I serve first gen and I'm a daughter of immigrants. So I feel like it just couldn't possibly be more meaningful because I'm the one that decided like what the meaning is and who I wanted to help and what problem I'm really like on fire to solve and think about every single day. So that's what success means now. But it used to mean like getting the accolades and like my job title and how much money I made and my grades. And it changed from some other system deciding like what was good versus me sort of setting that standard. Mm-hmm. And that's just huge because children of immigrants, like we really just want to make our parents proud. Like we want to be their American dream, right? So I think that's been the biggest shift is like me defining what that looks like for myself. I think a lot of solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, small business owners, especially entrepreneurs and solopreneurs, right? We see the headlines of that one person who raised $20 million at this billion, you know, whatever, right? And we kind of benchmark ourselves against that. It's like, wait, should I be doing that? They're younger than me. They're old, like whatever that looks like, that Mm -hmm. dynamic. In actuality, like just having that self-reflection and saying, what am I doing this for? What is my path? Like that's so powerful. Absolutely. So we know that the road to entrepreneurship is a bit lonely, So how do you find support when you're self-employed and how important has community been to you and your business? Oh man, you absolutely like need your community. I think that one thing that I didn't realize I was doing early on, like before I had ever made any money, I found community mostly because I knew in my mind, this is a little delusional (laughs) to everything that I was raised to be, like, which is hardworking, like be the hardest worker in the room, you know, make your parents proud. And I was like, I just want to go find other delusional people who are like asking themselves the same questions, who are like having this existential crisis, but they're all about it. And they're like, yeah, like this is what I'm thinking of doing. And so I actually knew to find community before I knew what I was selling. So I found courses that had Facebook groups that had communities built in. And I just like met as many people as possible. Possible, and that helped to change my brain to say, maybe I'm not so crazy. Mm-hmm. Like there's other people that are asking themselves similar questions. And I don't think that I could have done it, honestly, if that wasn't normalized for me. Because I think that when you're doing something that you've never done before, that maybe your family like hasn't modeled before, it's so easy to go back and say like, 
I'm not cut out for this or this doesn't make sense or it's taking too long or I'm doing something wrong, but your community will remind you like, no, this is just part of what comes with the territory. Are you the eldest daughter by any chance? I am. Okay. Yeah. I thought so too. Yeah. My eldest daughter problems. Yes. <laughs> so Mariella, what would you say to the small business owner or solopreneur specifically right now listening who just got started? Maybe they just you know hit that first goal. It's their big break, but they have no idea where to start as it relates to building relationships, finding community. Is it a conference? Is it the Facebook groups? Like how truly step-by-step can someone go out and find those people? Oh man, I always think about like, where are people like me that are also like looking for the same answer? So Mm -hmm. for me and what I've seen, it is like these events in person going to meet people. Some of it could be online summits. It could be going to join a group, even if it's just for the community. Like there are these early stage entrepreneur groups where like you're finding out what your thing is and like how to monetize it. Just anything where other like-minded people are. So I know that during the pandemic, we couldn't go and meet each other in person. I think that's why I joined so many groups during that time. But yeah, I honestly think that. Get on the email lists too of like anything related to personal development and entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. because sometimes that's how you find out that there's like something going on that you can join. So that's what I did. I just plugged myself in to email lists, podcasts, summits, in person. So here's a fun question. Have yeah. you ever like looked at your community for answers where like you didn't think about something when then someone chimed in and said, oh, actually, you should think about it this way. And you like took their advice and it worked. I feel like my business was kind of always the result of feedback to some extent, not permission, mm-hmm. but more like validating. Yes, I have this need to. I also struggle with this. That really hit. That really resonated. So I think your community will tell you what they need, mm-hmm. I guess, mm-hmm. in that sense. And that's still the case. Because sometimes you'll see a problem or you'll see something you want to do for them, but then they'll tell you how they're thinking about it. Yeah. Which is kind of like when I think about my marketing brain, I always think about like speaking in your client's language. So a lot of what you do learn in like building community and listening to community is like, how do they think about that thing that you want to help them with? So I think that's been really impactful too. I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense because you're kind of using your community as that like test group, right? So you're not just building a product and hoping you're going to find people that are going to buy it. You're actually building the excitement because you're building for the community after you've received their feedback. Yes. That's really key because I think that that's one, I don't want to say like mistake, but I think that that's an idea that I had at the beginning is you need to come up with the course and who it's for, but it's like you haven't necessarily gotten that like validated yet. So it's like the community does come first, honestly. And not everyone thinks about it that way, but I hope that that's like empowering to hear to start the community first because you don't need to have the answers, but you can start the community now just by talking about the need that you want to solve for or starting to share your story. And that actually, I think, keeps a lot of people like in waiting because they think that they need to have the solution all outlined. 100%. So something I've struggled with, you know, as a solopreneur is scaling. I only have so much time every day. Oh, yeah. And I can only lean in on so many productivity tools to help me achieve more in that 24-hour period. So as a solopreneur, what does it mean to scale your business? How do you scale? And does scale even exist? To me, I found like scaling comes in so many ways. It almost seems like it's this big system or Mm -hmm. something. But I think scaling a lot of times is like, how do I do what I'm doing more efficiently, better, with less of my time? So 
in a small way, one of the things that helped me scale, even without a team, is I'm a coach. So there have been eras of my life for a long time where I was like on 14 coaching calls a week. But in order to get to 14 coaching calls a week, I had to struggle with six because I was spending so much time, I was trying to figure out how to help them and solve their problems. And then what would happen is, oh, I'm having three different clients have a similar problem. I just created a framework, you know, and like a lot of times you're doing it live and then that framework helps you help the other clients. So you're spending less time. People are getting better results. So scaling could literally just be getting better at what you do, delivering it faster, better. And then eventually it's also things like using systems. Like I have content going out today that I'm not posting. You know what I mean? It's things like that. It's using, you know, software and systems to help you automate and schedule that actually pushes some of those things out for you. Yeah. Delegation, right? Yeah. Really being able to identify what you might be really good at, but also might you know, not be that great at. And then hiring people that can really help support you there. Yeah, I think absolutely. sort of a lesson that I've learned throughout my solopreneurship journey, kind of comes back to what you said earlier, mm-hmm. is you know, it's not about making more money as a solopreneur. Like that's eventually going to cap out because you're going to have so many hours a day. It comes back to, am I able to drive my, you know, my vision, my purpose, reasons why I'm doing this and feel good about that and be able to hit the mark every single day on that? Like that mm. to me is scale. Yeah, I like that. It's consistency. It's yep. almost like creating a system for that. Yeah, I mean, I think I would argue too that it would involve raising your prices so that oh, you're yeah. actually making more For by sure. not necessarily working more. Yes. Because I, mean, I think that's the, a mistake that a lot of entrepreneurs make. We tend to undervalue our skill set because we've been kind of programmed to see our abilities as like a dollar per hour. You know, when we're trying to figure out how to scale, it's also how do I charge for the transformation versus the time? Yes. Yeah. That's so important. Coming up on Mind the Business, small business success stories. Playing it safe actually works against me because I'm not giving myself or my business what it needs, like cutting off the oxygen to the business. And there have been times where I've pulled back and been like, okay, we need to cut here and I need to stop doing this. And then I actually struggled more. We'll be right back after the break. You know success when you see it, or you think you do. The people in the spotlight, athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones that make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they all have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do. That's how you business differently. This episode is brought to you by Intuit QuickBooks. Learn more about QuickBooks money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn annual percentage yield. APY can change at any time. Welcome back to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, brought to you by iHeartRadio and Intuit QuickBooks. So as a solopreneur, what are the essential tools and resources you use to run your business? How did you find them? How are you implementing them? Give us the play-by-play. Yeah. This is where community is important because you'll go in and it's like, what do you guys use for this? And then people will like oh, yeah. give you their two cents. That's true. 
because there's just <laughs> there's just so much. So I do use QuickBooks for my um, bookkeeping. I do have an accountant though because I don't know that I should be <laughs> trusted with that. But oh my gosh, we use Canva for design, Zoom for meetings, Squadcast for podcasts, and Descript to do like AI oh, okay. automatic transcripts. So like I love now. I'm just like, how could we do this better and faster? How could we like take a coaching call and immediately extract snippets? I use Slack for like my community and. And I have a little hub for everything. And I think it helps me feel like I can do it all without doing it all. A hundred percent. Right. Having that tech stack is really important. Yeah, it's true. And I think one of the things that scares people about this solopreneur journey is when you are starting to think about hiring help. Yeah. It doesn't always have to be people right away. It can be the software. Absolutely. You know, something yeah. as simple as like Calendly or, or Squarespace scheduling can take those minutes that you're spending going back and forth. Yeah. When can we hop on a call? Those things all can help you scale without necessarily having to hire too. Exactly. I'm thinking of Flowdesk to have an automated email sequence that when someone opts in, they get three emails or five emails introducing them to you and your brand and how you can help them. Like that is kind of scaling and then having the Calendly's and we use later for pre-scheduling social media yep. and all those things. So like these things can also like work for you. And as a solopreneur, I feel like we also are like the most adept at getting the most done with those resources because we don't default to just hiring. So you'll become like an accidental like tech expert. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, you know, speaking of QuickBooks, QuickBooks money is going to be a game changer for solopreneurs, right? It's offering business banking tools with a game changing 5% annual percentage yield. It allows entrepreneurs and business owners to business differently. So I'm curious, Mariella, how do you set yourself apart from your competitors? How do you do business differently? I think that a big part of what I do is like I focus on what my specific community needs, meaning like how their backgrounds and their lived experiences are creating specific challenges that I can solve. Mm -hmm. So I'm a leadership coach. I'm a business coach and I'm a leadership coach. And I can kind of give you an example that when I was certified as a leadership coach, we were taught someone has a certain emotional intelligence ranking in a certain area. How do we build it? But I always come in with the curiosity of like, why is this particularly hard for my people? And then if you can solve a niche problem for your people, that's what I think sets me apart is that I really do center the first-gen community. I don't just say, I want to help them because I'm first-gen. I'm actually like studying them and studying their brains, studying why do they struggle with the things that they do? Why are they so great at the things that they're great at? And how can I become the best person with that lens? That's, I think, how anyone can like set themselves apart is really thinking about like your specific person. But that's always been it for me. That's so powerful. Yeah, I really love that approach. So I know you've probably learned a lot of lessons along the way as a solopreneur. What do you wish you'd known at the beginning? Oh, that's a good question. I think it's that I'm going to learn how to hold ups and downs. And like, I don't want to say positive emotions or negative emotions because there aren't. But I wish that I knew that solopreneurship was going to introduce me to like the full human experience. Mm. Because I think that for such a long time, and many of us think like something's wrong with you because you're having a hard time or because you have self-doubt, but it really is part of the process. And so I think instead of judging it, it's like, okay, well, what do I need? How can community help me? How can a coach or literally going to therapy? And I don't really see them as like positive or negative anymore. Sometimes I even look at what you would perceive to be negative emotion, like something like imposter syndrome, right? And being like, okay, imposter syndrome is showing me that like I'm 
doing something that past me didn't think was possible. And now I'm like, okay, bring it, Nog. <laughs> this is telling me I'm heading in the right direction. It's getting comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah, constantly. <laughs> and then what feels comfortable? You're like, what's next? Yeah. <laughs> What's been the hardest lesson that you've had to learn? Because, you know, despite what social media says, entrepreneurship is not always unicorns and rainbows. Man, there's been a lot. I don't know if it's like a lesson. I'd say that like my relationship with money is probably tested more than anything in my entire life because you don't have a paycheck. I mean, I'm an S Corp now, so I, I have a paycheck, but I'm also the person who provides the money for the paycheck. Right. The hardest part for me, and I think this is very much like a first gen thing and being a single parent, that I'm like, I have to learn how to trust myself. And I think the harder lesson was more that sometimes like playing it safe actually works against me because I'm not giving myself or my business what it needs, like cutting off the oxygen to the business. And there have been times where I've pulled back and been like, okay, we need to cut here and I need to stop doing this. And then I actually struggled more. Mm -hmm. So I think that that is probably one of the hardest lessons was like your relationship with money is an entrepreneurial skill. 100%. So I struggle with this, but I really want to hear your answer, especially for the person listening right now who is also probably struggling with this problem. I've got contractors, I've got vendors, I've got all these things that I'm managing behind the scenes as a solopreneur. What tips, tricks, hacks, ideas, how do you really hone in on that skill and, and be able to sort of organize that and keep it flowing so you're scaling your business? With like getting everybody kind of doing what exactly. needs to be done. I have just found like one of the biggest challenges is like there isn't actually like clear written expectations. It's kind of like you bring someone in and then you're like, okay, I'm just going to like verbally explain it to them, but you don't have like standards. Mm -hmm. Like, do we have a policy on like, what have I actually documented what it is that I want? And that's part of scaling is almost like turning a decision into a policy. Hmm. And so bringing people into your business, like having clear, like, this is exactly what I want you to do by when, how do we know that we're actually giving clear instruction? So I think is that's like part of it. And I think also just clear priorities because I think part of even where like contractors will struggle is like we'll tell them this is what we're doing, but then we'll come in with like a bunch of conflicting <laughs> other things. And then we're not planning far enough ahead sometimes. And, you know, things happen. But I yeah. think that just leaders will send conflicting messages to like their teams. And then that's kind of what keeps everybody scrambling. And it's inevitable, but... I think creating systems of like, and then how do you want to be kept informed when all mm, those things, mm -hmm. and you're not going to know all that stuff up front. Literally every single time something goes wrong, every single time, I'm always like, cool, do I need to make a decision about this? And if so, I'm going to document it. And if something went wrong, why? What is the root cause of this? Mm -hmm. So we can solve it one time forever. So I think a big part of leadership is like, what's the root cause instead of just being like, oh, we forgot to loop in this person. It's like, how can we make sure that this doesn't happen in the future? And even when I give feedback to contractors, it's never about like, why did you do this? It's like, what happened in like the process that this was missed? And like, how can we make sure that like we clean this up? I love it. I feel like you have a bit of an engineering brain because I'm thinking like, it sounds like you're talking about SOPs or standard operating procedures, right? Yeah. And that's one of those things I had to figure out too when I was looking at getting additional support. Like, yeah. I mean, we have an SOP for how to record a podcast episode or like how to book a podcast guest. And you don't think right. about how many steps you have to take personally to do this. But then when you're trying to explain to somebody else, like how this actually works, 
writing things down is very, very useful. Yeah. And then you actually get to empty your brain because that's the thing about when you have a business, your brain is such a busy place that I think about an SOP as like emptying it out. And if I'm going to give direction, sometimes what I'll do is like, hey, we forgot to do this. Or I'm like, we literally didn't forget. I never told you to do it. And then I'm like, can you write that down for me? You don't even have to be the person doing it. If you have somebody supporting you, I'm just a big visionary thinker and I don't like writing words down. (laughs) But you can actually ask for help to be like, can we just document that this is going to be like our decision moving forward on how we want to do stuff? So I guess my last question here really that I'm super curious about is if I rewind to my solopreneurship journey about two years ago now, it was so hard for me to like really stay on track. And so I had a time box. I'm not sure if you guys seen that. You like sort of figure out when am I going to do specific things on my to-do list? What time a day I'm going to accomplish those things? That's how I was able to stay on track knowing mm-hmm. that I didn't have a boss to you know report to and no one was really holding me accountable. So I want to hear from you now, talking to the solopreneur out there listening, how can you sort of share your experience of staying on task, staying productive, making sure that you're holding yourself accountable? How are you able to like achieve those specific things yeah. without having someone micromanage you and you know kind of kick you in the gear? It's funny because I would have struggled to answer this question like even six months ago, a year ago, because I feel like I don't like to use this word, but I was like, I felt like I was like a hot mess all the time. So I've had to figure out how to be more efficient because I'm scaling. So it couldn't just be like me back and forth with like my assistant all the time or just figuring it out day to day. Now, what really helps me is like, I go into the week more peacefully when I spend Monday mornings meeting with my assistant going through last week's stuff. So we go into ClickUp, which we use for project management. So I use Mondays for decisions and delegating. And then I get coached. And then I have time to just like work on my stuff. So like I don't take client calls on Mondays. So I think having like designated focuses for the day really helps because task switching, it just takes a lot out of me. And I think for most people, you're using like different skill sets and different parts of your brain. So now it's like Mondays, decision day, delegation day, CEO day. I coach on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Wednesdays are mostly for me to just do work in my business. Friday, I'll mostly take that for like wrapping stuff up and then taking the afternoon off before my daughter gets off school. So I think sprints, like dedicated focuses and planning up front so that you're not sitting down at your computer going, oh my God, what am I going to do? Like, okay, I need to work on my business, but there's 20 different things. You're not spending that time making those decisions. You're making those decisions up front. So one of the themes that I've heard you speak on several times throughout our conversation is this idea of mindset. So what's your favorite mantra or quote or something (laughs) that you like look back at when you need that extra motivation? There's so many. I literally made a deck of cards with my mantras on it that I give to my clients. But I think the one that I lean into the most that gives me the most peace is like my success is inevitable. And I say that from this perspective of like, if you just keep problem solving and showing up to solve that problem, it's impossible for it not to work. I want you to say that again. One more time. My success is inevitable. And if you keep showing up to solve the problem, there's no way that it's not going to work. It's like literally impossible. How could you feasibly spend your entire life trying to figure out how to make this thing happen and not make it happen? It's literally impossible. So whenever I'm like, oh my God, this is taking too long. Oh my gosh, like maybe I shouldn't do this. It's like, it's okay. (laughs) It's inevitable. You're just freaking out because it's not happening now. But when that thing happens, you're going to be worried about another thing, another goalpost or another problem. Every level has new problems. 
That's another one. Every level has new problems and you are solving the problems you are equipped to solve right now. So don't wish on problems that you're not. (laughs) You don't even want those problems right now. Because I think we always think it's going to be better when we get to like some other place. And then you get to that place and you're like, oh, wait, (laughs) that was easy. Like the stuff I was worried about. And not to scare you, but that's just part of like you become a different person who can handle different stuff. My success is inevitable. Yeah. I'm going to have to like get that as a tattoo, right? My success is inevitable. inevitable. That is so cool. (laughs) Getting chills right now. Just like listening about that. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the quotable quote of the day, (laughs) y'all. Mariella, thank you so much for being here. It's been a total pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Wow. I mean, what an experience and what a conversation to share with our first live audience for Mind the Business. Mariella really shared some very meaningful insights and wisdom on that stage. We had so many people coming up to us after and saying how they felt like they needed to hire Mariella as their life coach after this discussion. Austin, what resonated most with you? I may or may not have been one of those people trying to hire Mariella now as a life coach. Oh my goodness. She was incredible. I think a couple of things stood out to me. First was community, right? At the end of the day, being a solopreneur is very lonely and it takes a toll on our mental health for sure. And so by identifying and surrounding yourself with people who are also solopreneurs, learning from them, from their mistakes, from their accomplishments, everyone has a unique experience and something to share. Another thing that really, really stood out to me was her comment around consistency, right? If you stay consistent over time, success is inevitable. At the end of the day, we're putting in hours upon hours of hard work to achieve this goal in our dreams. And just by doing that, we are setting ourselves up for long-term success. I also think there's something to be said about the imposter syndrome, especially myself. I'm definitely on the younger side, right? And so when I'm surrounded by all these successful solopreneurs like yourself, Janice, it just gets me so excited and really puts a lot in perspective. Yeah, I think it's important for us as solopreneurs to really believe that the success that you've achieved is not just an accident. It's not just a fluke. It really is about what you did. Like you mentioned, Austin, showing up consistently. And I think one of the really key points that Mariella shared with us is write down all of the things that you do in your business. Start to standardize those things because inevitably, you know, you may want to look for additional support at some point down the road, depending on where you are in your journey and being able to pass on that knowledge in a really formalized way through procedures is super useful. And also, I think it just helps you understand like, what are all these different things that are happening in my business versus trying to keep everything in your head? It's important as a solopreneur to make sure that you are leveraging resources. Technology is our friend and software like QuickBooks Money is one of those really key tools that you can use to make sure you're not wasting time chasing somebody for an invoice and you can get back to doing the thing you're supposed to be doing, which is growing that business. Now for our exciting news, Janice. Give me a quick little drum roll, please. (laughs) We are coming back with season two at the beginning of 2024. We'll have brand new episodes featuring more solopreneurs sharing their stories of struggle and success. Subscribe and follow the show and keep an eye on the feed so you don't miss out on the amazing insights and knowledge from these business owners. 
I cannot be more excited. This series has been so eye-opening for myself as a small business owner, solopreneur, entrepreneur. I've had so many people reach out to me saying that they've learned so much from the incredible entrepreneurs that we've interviewed over the last several months. And 2024 is going to be a blast. I am so excited for season two. I just have gotten so much incredible feedback from folks that are tuning into the show, learning so much, and most importantly, remembering that this is not a sprint. This journey through solopreneurship is a marathon, and we are here to support you every step of the way. Well, that's it for our very first live episode. You can find me on social media at Austin Hankwitz. And you can find me at Yo Quiero Dinero Podcast. You can learn more about Mariella by visiting her website, marielladelamora.com or on Instagram at mariella.delamora. You can follow Intuit QuickBooks on all social media at QuickBooks. To get the tools you need to start, run, and grow your business, head to quickbooks.com today. We also want to hear from you, so be sure to leave a rating and review. This podcast is a production of Ruby Studios from iHeartMedia and Intuit QuickBooks. Our executive producer is Molly Sosha. Our supervising producer is Nakia Swinton. Our head of post-production is James Foster. See See you next time. time. QuickBooks Money is a standalone Intuit offering. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn annual percentage yield. APY can change at any time. Money movement services provided by Intuit Payments, Inc., licensed as a money transmitter by the New York State Department of Financial Services. You know success when you see it, or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yields. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. This episode is brought to you by Intuit QuickBooks. Learn more at quickbooks.com forward slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time.